0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name's Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor here, and uh, we're so glad you decided to join us on this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called uh, Running on Empty, uh, Finding Rest in a Restless World. Uh, but before we get kind of launched into the sermon this morning, I wanted just to give an official welcome and uh, let you know of some things that will help you engage this morning. And so uh, if you've been at Ridgeview before, you know you, you got handed one of these if you're new Um, I just want to kind of walk through some things that will help you engage this morning. Um, This program uh, is meant to be opened, and uh, as you open it up, there's some things that you can see, and uh, there's a connection card, and uh, we ask people to fill this out every week. Uh, This isn't just to put you through something uh, mundane on your Sunday morning, but to actually help uh, us be able to connect with you. uh, This is a way that you can indicate next steps. uh, Let us know how you'd like to get more involved it also just lets us know you're here and, and ways that we can pray for you. And so on the back, you'll see some space for some prayer requests. Uh, please let us know how we can pray uh, with you. We have our staff and a prayer team that pray for these requests uh, every week. And so we take those seriously. We want to pray for you and help you uh, any way that we can. Our, our role as a church, uh, specifically a church staff, is to serve you and to help you get engaged here, and especially in your spiritual walk. And so uh, this helps us. Uh, do that uh, as you kind of let us know where you're at and what you'd like to do, and we'll help you uh, do that. Uh, In there, you'll also see a listening guide. Uh, That's just a way for you, it looks like this, uh, to engage with the scriptures uh, this morning. Uh, This is also a way for you to be able to take notes. And uh, I know sometimes you may find these in your car. You ever found like one of these in your car or you find it like, you know, at home? Uh, Just find a place where you could store these. Uh, This actually, in my own life, as I've taken notes over the years of many of my years in church, uh, God's used those often as I look back. And so if you don't have a system, it may just be, I just need to get a folder and I could stick those in, uh, but that's a helpful way to kind of be reminded of the way that God speaks to you. And uh, we do believe that at Ridgeview, that God speaks to us specifically. Um, we're here and gathered in his name, um, not just out of a habit, but because of this expectation. And the expectation is that we get to meet with the living God. We get to do that together. And that's powerful. And that's something that we, we can't take for great, granted as people uh, and as the church. And so as we dig into God's word, uh, that's my prayer today that, that he'll really uh, speak. If you are interested in taking next steps, please uh, come to the next step table. We have some resources. We've been talking about how to connect with God, how to have a quiet time, especially when you're, you're busy. And, and we have actually those resources back there if you've missed that. Uh, last week, and so you can pick one of those up. And if you've never received a guest gift, and if you're new to Ridgeview, uh, you can grab that mug uh, just as a way of saying uh, thanks for, for being here. So we all caught up, everyone good, kind of know your bearings. Uh, you should have a Ridgeview pen as well uh, that can join the 17 you have in your car and at home, uh, but in case you could take that if, if you need one as well. So um, I want to dig in to what we're talking about today, and we've been spending uh, a lot of weeks. Uh, talking about just this reality of busyness that we have in our lives, uh, in our culture. Uh, we're always on. We're always connected because of technology. And as the advances, it's like we're, we're more productive than we've ever been. But at the same time, uh, we're more busy than we've ever been. And so there's this weird tension of being more productive, but at the same time, feeling like we don't have more time. And I think this is the nature of things. Like the more progress we may, in some ways, we... We feel like we've made less progress. And so this series is about, despite all of those things, when you feel empty, when you feel like you're running low, what are the key habits and what are the key perspectives to have and attitudes to have that that help us get back so we we actually know why we're here on this earth? We know kind of God's role in our life, and uh, we hope that it's been a help to you. And if you've missed any of this series... Ah, uh, you can always catch up. We have all of our uh, sermons posted and services on YouTube. Just search for Ridgeview Church Fontana. You can also podcast if you're a podcaster. Is that a verb? I think you know you're a podcaster. Um, you can search Ridgeview Church Fontana as well and uh, catch up. But if I can, let me just do a recap, uh, just so we're kind of on the same page as we begin week six of this series. Uh, we started talking about uh, in week one uh, villains of progress. Uh, And the the premise is God is not too tired or weak to help us when we feel too tired or weak. That is a promise that you can build your life on. God never is short on resources or power. He's God. And as we look to him, we can receive that power. We can get help. And so that's where we started the series on. No matter where you are, God will meet you there. Week two, we talked about being uh, beyond busy. And the invitation that Jesus gives to us to come to him, to learn from him, to actually take the burdens that we have, that we're trying to hold on ourselves, that are weighing us down and crippling us, and we can actually lay those onto Christ. And Christ will help us with the very things that are causing us just to slow down. Uh, the week after that, we talked about uh, the best, and that is how the life with Jesus leads us to choosing the best habits. When we talked about just The importance of taking a break from the business of life, disconnecting to connect back with God and to connect with others. Uh, We can get so busy just keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding adding that we never take away. And if we always add and we never take away, then then actually our lives can become too busy to actually live life for Jesus. And so that's what we talked about the third week. And then uh, the last two weeks, Joel Berry has been speaking. Uh, about further habits to help us connect with the living God through reading the Scripture and how God speaks to us, and then last week uh, through prayer and how prayer really helps us in the middle of the chaos uh, that, that we face. And so I hope, um, you know, that's just a little bit of a summary. Obviously, that doesn't kind of encompass everything we've talked about, but this should catch you up. So the idea is, like, you're running on empty. You need rest. How do you do it? That's what we've covered so far. Well, today and for the next two weeks, I want to talk a little bit about Well, how do you actually be uh, productive? So it's not like we can just be busy and then decide, well, I'm going to take a vacation from life. Now, in summer, with this heat, you're like, that sounds awesome. Like, how can we just not do anything? Well, that's actually not productive. So the opposite is being busy, but then thinking that to receive or to get progress, you you don't do anything. Well, it's actually uh, the opposite. God wants us to be productive people, to accomplish things. Uh, But he wants us to do it in a a certain way, and that's what we've been talking about, and and for his uh, purposes. And today we're talking about the importance of the character that God wants to build in our life that really can make us productive even more than uh, the skills that we may learn or character uh, that we may find uh, that the world has to offer. Now, uh, through my years of being a pastor in ministry, uh, one of the things I've always tried to just figure out is is how do I know uh, what to do? Uh, each day that I wake up? What are the things that I should focus on first? And then what should I not? And then how do you do that when each day looks different? And you may yourself wrestle with that. Like every day, how do you make the most of it? So that you actually are are growing, you're, you're doing what you need to do, you're handling your responsibilities. Well, uh, here's some books that have been really helpful for me over the years and uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That really helps uh, with being productive of like, what are those habits that need to come back to. Now, these aren't spiritual in nature, but they're helpful in being productive. Uh, Covey's a a great author on productivity, management, things like that. Another book is The One Minute Manager, uh, Ken Blanchard. Again, really helpful wisdom. This is one of my favorite titles of a book. The next one, um, The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey. Uh, That's actually about how do you delegate and how do you know what's your monkey and what's other people's monkey. Helpful book. And then, uh, the title of this next one is like really helpful for me. First things first. How do you put the first things first? So these, these are all dealing with uh, productivity. So when you're tired or when you're busy, these are the things that, you know, most of the time like gain our interest because the idea is like how do we move beyond that to, to do everything that we have to do? And you ever felt like you have so much on your plate that you, you feel like you're you're dropping things? You, have you felt that before? Or the idea is like you're juggling and somebody's like, hey, juggle. And you begin to juggle and like you got two things you can juggle. Okay, I got two things. I have two hands. I can do that. And then somebody's like, well, what about this? And now you have three things and two hands. And it's like, well, that's a little bit tricky. When I was young, I learned how to juggle and I wasn't that great at it, but I kind of figured it out. But three things was all I could. And then what about the fourth and the then the things just add up and add up to the point where that's how life can feel. You have two hands, one brain, and you've got too many things for you to kind of keep track of, and you're afraid things will get, will get dropped. So as helpful as these books are, the, the goal is how do you, you know, be productive? But, but there's something even more important than management skills. There's actually way more that we have to pay attention to rather than just like time management. Because when you talk about busyness... You talk about all that we have on our plate. It's easy to kind of default, well, I just need to be more organized. I need to be more strategic. And while that's helpful, that's actually not the essence of productivity. If you're a Christian, your organization, your calendar, your schedule is very important. But what's even more important than that is the kind of character that God wants to build into your life. If you wanna be a productive person, it begins with character. And that's where I wanna start this morning. And that is that character is the most important factor in productivity. Now, you don't find that in many productivity time management books. But you can learn all sorts of skills, and you can gain an edge in how to schedule and how to plan and how to organize effectively. But if you're not being changed from the inside out, you will actually keep having to reset your life. So you can make all sorts of progress, but if you don't grow in character you never actually have progress that sustains. It's always slipping. And so this series is all about how do you get to the point where you don't run on empty? And it really is because of the character and the type of person that you become. It may mean that your life gets busier. It may mean that your life gets more complex. Now, I remember learning that when I was young. And the idea of like becoming an adult And the older you get, it just gets more difficult. Just to me, I thought, well, why do this adult thing? Like, why can't we just stay? You know, like like stay in college. Like college is the best years of your life. Well, the goal of college is for you to to graduate and then to work. And then you get a, a job and you're working all that time. You're like, this is really depressing. You ever felt that? It's just the grind of life. And life does get more complex. So if our goal is just for it to get easier then we're disappointed. But if our goal is for us to grow and for character to grow within us, then actually God leads us to that. He helps us in those things. So what I wanna to do today is I wanna read uh, and focus on a passage from Second Peter. And uh, Peter is one of the disciples of Christ. He was a strong-willed, fiery type of guy. He was the one that you know, always had something to say and stand for Jesus and fight for Jesus, and he's also the one that denied him three times. And so Peter wrote, right, 1 Peter and 2 Peter in the Scriptures, very helpful perspective. But it's really kind of a perspective and maybe this autobiography of, of someone who was completely changed by Jesus, and approach changed, and attitude changed, and goals changed. And so Peter is really this spokesman of, I've been somebody that I am a completely different. The character that I have in my life now has been transformed by Christ. And so, when we, you read his, his books in the New Testament, uh, his letters, they're, they're very helpful. And in Second Peter uh, chapter 1, I'm not going to start uh, in, in verse uh, 5 yet, but in verse 3, the beginning of his second letter, he says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So, Peter is, is you know, setting up the kind of life that we should live. That's what we've been talking about in this series. Like, what is the Christian life? And he says, actually, Christ's power, he himself has given us everything we need to live the kind of life that God wants. I don't know about you, but that's what I hope of my life. If you're a Christ follower, you should want to live the kind of life that God wants you to live. And how do you do that? Well, Peter answers, you do that through his divine power. And then in verse four, he says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. That's the word of God. So he's given us his divine power. He's given us himself. Christ died for us. He rose again for us. He conquered sin for us. And that power that conquered sin, that conquered death is now ours for all who follow him. And then he says that, He's given us these great and precious promises, promises, His Word, so that through them you, mar, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so the picture is: is this power that Christ gives us allows us to change, and that change is something that you can't sustain within yourself because of our evil desires. And this is a story of all of our lives. We keep wanting to make progress but we get off of the divine power of God and we get on our own power and the progress that we make, sometimes we just default back and we get back into the same patterns, the same way of thinking, the same habits. And then we keep running on empty. And so what Peter is saying is you have to keep getting back to the source and the source is God himself through Christ. He will give you that power and that power will actually allow you to escape your own foolishness that you keep running into again and again. So sometimes the biggest issue with us and our productivity is us. That's the biggest issue. We keep laying ourselves down as a stumbling block for ourselves. We keep tripping over our thoughts. We keep tripping over our decisions. We keep tripping over our ideas when we think we know better. And so what Peter is saying is, listen, there's another way. And this is where he's talking about the divine power of God, not our own power, This work that God wants to do. And then the passage we're going to focus on today is the work that then we can do with him. There's this cooperation, God and us together. So if you feel empty and you feel like you're just juggling, you've got all these things up in the air, you don't just drop your hands and say, like, God's got this. No, it's actually God will come alongside you, just like he says, take my yoke upon you. And you're doing it together. And these are the kinds of things that God wants to grow. And I want to start in verse five. And this is where we'll focus most of our time today. It says, for this very reason, so the very reason is the power of God through Christ. We can have it. For this very reason, we can, be over, we can overcome our evil desires. And it says, make every effort. Very interesting. For this very reason, make every effort. Now, this is your part. This is where you have to cooperate with the living God who gives you power. You're not paralyzed. You don't stand still. You actually move forward. You can be productive. Uh, The idea of make every effort is like this speed to accomplish something. If you've ever watched like a sprint kind of a race and they're sprinting and they get right to that finish line, what do they do when they're about to approach the finish line? They they lunge, they lean forward. What I do is I stop and say like, that finish line's too far, right? Like give me a Gatorade. But for those who are trained sprinters, you you run, you run, and then right when the finish line, you, you lunge towards it. And so Peter is saying is like, God has given us all that we need. He's given us Christ. He's given us power. We can live a new life. Make every effort. Move towards, lunge towards these traits. And this is what he says. So make every effort with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with uh, self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Now, Peter, now that gave us a list. So God's done everything to give us power. And what's the power for? For us to change. What's the power for? For us to live for him. What's the power for? For us to become different people. Like we don't have to stay the same. We don't have to keep running the same race we always run and come up short. And then he gives this list. That power enables these things to be built in us. This is actually a magnificent list. If you're ever wondering like what you should focus on in your life, what you need to kind of learn, start with things like this. Lists in the scripture. It's the work that God wants to do in you. You see the same list in Galatians, the same list in James. These are things that that God wants to do. And then in verse 8, here's the promise. It says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if this growth is happening within you, they keep you from being what? What does that word say? Ineffective unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now we get this list, this is what to focus on. And then verse 8 and 9 is a promise and a warning in one. The promise is, if you focus on godly character and being changed from the inside out, God will use your life, and you'll have something to show for it. You will make a difference in your family. You will make a difference in your neighborhood. You'll make a difference in your workplace. You'll make a difference in this church. If you allow God and his power to continue to work through you as you cooperate with him, keeping in step with him, doing what God tells you to do, and keep taking those steps, you will have a productive life. Now this is what all of us want. Right. Right, right, like right. That's yeah, what all of us want as the crickets surround sound, like, well, you know, not really. I just want coffee this morning, you know? But that that's what we all want. Like, really, we 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 want something to show for our life. All of us. So this is the promise. But then the warning is as strong. But whoever lacks, like if you're not growing in these things, and if you're disconnected from the power of God, you will just keep running in circles. And you'll think that you're making progress. So you're just going around and around, and you're like, well, I keep, I keep wanting to get ahead, but I'm not. Well, why? Because you're running in circles. You're not going actually in a pathway. You're not moving forward. Why? Because you're, you're nearsighted. You're, you're blind. And then notice, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. The idea is you you keep getting stuck, and then you keep getting depressed because you're stuck. And because you're depressed because you're stuck, you keep getting stuck. And that's where you're just running in circles. And so this is a picture of like, you can't earn God's favor. You don't have the power within yourself to change. But as you connect to the living God, he will grow some things in you that will allow you to actually see your next steps, to see how to move forward to make the progress that he wants. This is very motivating for me. Why? Because many times in my life, I can feel stuck. I can feel like my intentions are there, but the action isn't. Or I see the actions of my life and think like, oh, where did that come from? And your concerns sometimes are just the, the lack of growth. That's one of the battles of life, like the tension. You just keep wanting to move ahead, but, but you, you can't. And so what I want to do is I just want to unpack briefly what these words mean. Um, if you're like me and you, you grew up in school and you have like a list of words, it, it kind of can feel like vocabulary. You know, it's like, well, here's my flashcard. Here's the word. What, what does it mean? But what Peter is saying is like when you live the Christian life and God's power is in you, these things grow and then they begin to grow other things. It's like this, this ladder of faith that the, the kind of steps uh, connect with each other. And he begins, and I think you'll see a a, a list here um, of of these words. So for this very reason, make every effort because of the power of God, because what God wants to do in you, supplement your faith with virtue. And so faith, uh, you you have some space on your, um, you know, your listening guide right here. And so you you might just want to draw kind of what the essence of these words are. But faith is the foundation of the Christian faith. It's, it's, I just said the word again and defining it. Faith is the foundation of the Christian faith. And what is that? Is like, I trust, I trust God. Um, I, I adopt his direction. I want to follow him. I don't want to just keep doing things my, my own way. And so the idea is like, the foundation is, is faith. You want to follow and do what God says. And then what Peter is saying is like, well, add to that, doing what God says, virtue. And virtue is, is actually like this courageous, active good. Uh, literally, the word virtue means excellence. And in the Greek culture for which Peter is writing, uh, this word was used when something is doing what it's supposed to do. Like a, a field of crops produces a good crop. It's like this excellence. It's like that, that's the virtue. It's like, wow, that, that's good. And what he's saying is like when you have a faith that's active where you do what God wants you to do, that leads to this, this virtue, this excellence. Like you're designed and you're doing what you're meant to do. You're growing. So add to your faith a virtue. And then to that virtue, uh, you're supposed to supplement it with, with knowledge. And that's learning about God and his ways. Uh, not in a classroom, not even uh, in a sermon setting like this. The knowledge that we're supposed to grow in is getting time with God where he speaks to you. And then that gives you discernment in how you make decisions. So the idea is you read a scripture like Ephesians 4.29, and it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up, so it may benefit those in need. The knowledge that you can get from a scripture like Ephesians 4.29 is when you're about to open up your mouth with a comment that you think is really interesting, but maybe it cuts somebody down, And then you're reminded that, wait, it says to not just only for what's building others up, and you begin to have to delete your words. That's what Peter's saying is like you can grow in a knowledge from Scripture of things that you need to do differently, and that builds on the virtue of doing what you're designed to do and on the faith that God's given you. So it's this this discerning knowledge that God gives. And then that discerning knowledge can help with with self-control, and this is a Again, like kind of what I just talked about. It, it helps you uh, rein in your, your lips, your, your thoughts, your actions. Uh, there's now a, a new filter where you realize like the goal of my life isn't just to do what I feel or what I want to do. There's actually things that I'm thinking that I shouldn't think. Self-control helps you with those thoughts. You know, God, I shouldn't think that. Will you forgive me for that thought? I want to replace that with what is true and what is right and what's trustworthy. That's Philippians four 4.8. So God, help me to take that thought, which I'm thinking, which makes sense to me because it's in my own mind, but I don't want to think that because that's not pleasing to you. That's that idea of self-control. Add that to kind of what I said about speech. And so you realize that there's this, this faith that leads to wanting to build character and virtue, this excellence of living the life God wants us to live. And we do that as we grow in the knowledge of him, his practical word that instructs us on life. And then as we do that, that actually limits the freedom that we have to just say and do whatever we want. That really is the mantra of our day. Whatever you feel, whatever makes you happy, do it. Well, actually, the Christian life is you actually do only what God wants you to do. And you filter that with self-control. And as you grow in that, it leads to another characteristic which Peter describes, and that's steadfastness. Steadfastness is an upbeat, hopeful endurance. So when pressure is on, you know that God will help you. When pressure is on and you're facing something difficult, you know God will use it to grow you. Why? Because his divine power has given you all you need to grow in godliness. So even the hard things God will use to help you grow. So um, I read like a theologian and he says, you know, the self-control that Peter talks about is how you deal with the pleasures of life. And then the steadfastness is how you deal with the pressures of life. And I think that's good. You need both. You need the self-control to limit the pleasure, and then you need the steadfastness to know how to deal with the pressure. And that's helpful to kind of keep in mind. And then that leads to add, like, to kind of add this to your toolbox is, is godliness. And this godliness is a deep reference for God that looks to his interests in all situations. Again, what, what would God want me to do in this situation? How to treat this person? How to relate to what I'm facing? How to respond when things are not going my own way? What do I do when it feels like somebody's against me? What do I do when I have a decision to make with my finances? What do I do when I have a decision to make about my time? Godliness is a filter in place that begins to help us choose God's priorities over other priorities. And again, most of the time, the biggest obstacle to godliness is us, our old desires and ways and desires that we want that aren't pleasing to him. So this is all like this, this work that God wants to do through his power to change us. Now, if we could look at this list so far, I think I've gotten to the end of verse 6. We have faith, we have virtue, we have knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, and godliness. Six things. Now, on your listening guide, you have that passage right here. Circle which word, which characteristic do you think you need the most in your life right now? Just take a moment. Look at that passage and circle or underline which word you think you need in your life right now. Did anyone just take one big circle? And you're just like, you know, just the whole the whole thing, right? It's easy to do, but maybe pinpoint. Because oftentimes, like when we think and ask that question, like God may be speaking to you. Actually, you really need to pay attention to that. You need to focus on that. Allow God to speak to you. So what I want you to do is just look at, look at a neighbor. And this isn't what you think your neighbor needs to do. This is what you need to do. Just share. What was the one that, that you think you need to focus on? Share with the neighbor. Go ahead. okay? This is actually good to think through. It's good to, to even talk to each other because what happens, especially in the context of the church, you get in this situation where you like realize like, man, what a beautiful work of God where he brings all of us together and he has something specific for us to grow in and learn and develop as an individual. And at the same time, as we grow in that, it's going to benefit each other. Because if you have a brother or sister next to you that's growing in faith, that faith will help you when you need faith. When somebody's growing in self-control and you see the filter that they put on their words and they say, you know what, I shouldn't say that. That encourages you when you want to say something you shouldn't say. It all works together. This is what happens in the church. God does this work and this is divine power in us individually, and it benefits us corporately. That's a promise. And so this is all talking about this inner work that God does. And then uh, Peter shifts gears, and he says, "Well, then there's these two things that are like outwardly as well as these things are growing inwardly. There's some things that grow outwardly, and the first is brotherly affection. Treat others with kindness and brotherly love. This is literally like this family type of love where you look out for each other. You're loyal to each other. You have each other's back." It's not just my own life, my own family, and specific to the church community. It's like, you know what? I'm looking out for others, and they're looking out for me. It's this brotherly, familial, that's a word, right? Familial type of love. When people have brotherly affection to you, it actually, like, refreshes your soul. There's a sense of, like, I am not alone. This person is looking out for me. I don't know how many times I've experienced that in my life. People that have this brotherly affection. Now, not what you think. If you've had brothers or sisters, you're like, is that like a headlock and a noogie? Like, you know, or like, I'm going to just point out the things that I don't like about you because I really like you a lot. No, it's, it's like a legitimate, there's not sarcasm. There's not putting down. It's not the opposite. It's like, I'm encouraged by you and I'm going to tell you I'm encouraged by you. I love you and I'm going to tell you I love you. Now, for some of you, if you didn't grow up with this kind of affection, it can feel kind of odd. I don't know if anyone in the church has ever said, you know, I love you. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, you just want to walk away. Like, I don't know what to do with that. But this is so powerful. God uses this to build this family of God, this type of affection. And as these characteristics of, you know, faith and virtue and uh, self-control and steadfastness and godliness is growing, it's like, man... All we can do is love each other because of these things that are growing in us. And then Peter closes it with brotherly affection, love. And if you can go to the next next verse, I don't know if I have that on there. But, um, oh, sorry, it's brotherly affection and then with love. Now, that love, the with love is actually a separate word. There's brotherly affection, family type of love, and then with love. And that, that, that word is agape, which you may have heard before. That, that's God's type of love that he has for us. That's the love that sent Jesus to this earth. That's the love that sent Jesus to the cross. That's the love that sent Jesus to the grave. That's the love that rose him from the dead. That's the love that gave us the Holy Spirit. That's the love that gave us the promises of God. That's the love that we can have the power of God because of these things. So what Peter is saying is that type of love, it's even beyond this family affection, it is sacrifice. And I actually really appreciate that Peter put this last because I believe that this is one of the hardest things to do is to actually love and sacrifice for others. And oftentimes you can only do that as you just keep surrendering to God. And that is to love when you actually don't want to do it. Brotherly affection oftentimes is like, you know what? I'm with people and they're with me. And there's just like this, we're just a family. But this love that he's talking about, that last word, man, it is a love that I'm, I'm loving you because I want to put your interests above mine. Not because that feels good, because oftentimes it doesn't, but because that's what Christ has done for me. And his love for me has transformed me. And as I extend that love to you, you get a little bit picture of Christ's love for you. And so Peter just lays this all out, and it's, it's very powerful. And I just want to kind of spend the rest of the time talking about how do these things grow in us? If Peter is saying, make every effort, lean in to these things, well, what are the things that we, we should be leaning into? And I'm just going to kind of go through this quickly, but hopefully this will give you some, some kind of practical, okay? Here's this list. You've identified a characteristic. This is what God wants to grow in you. And it may not even be what you chose today. You might find in the coming days, like, he's he's speaking to you about other things. Things keep coming up that he wants to speak to you. But here's how this characteristic, these characters grow in us. Uh, The first is, oh, you know, I've gone through all of that. I'll save some time. Just kind of skip through to the next, next section where it says, how God builds our character to make us more productive. You see that? You guys should have been really, that would have added like another 15 minutes at least right there. We, we already covered it. How God builds our character. The, the first, and this is what we've been talking about, is, is time with him. There's no way you can grow these characteristics in your life without spending time with God. And that's why we've spent really the whole series five weeks so far talking about how do you get to a place in your life where you can get that time with him. It's the most important. It is the most important is time with him. And you can have time with him today. You can have time with him this week. But next week, you still have to fight for time with him. Three months from now, three years from now, 30 years, you still have to fight. The Christian life, you can never get to the point where you are okay to go solo and not cooperate with God. You're never okay. Okay doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You have to keep coming to the place where you are learning from God. 2 Peter 3 says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, amen. The second half's talking about this forever. You have to keep this. And when we're in heaven, we'll be with him forever. But on this side of heaven, we have to prioritize that. We have to carve that time. And what are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to grow in the grace and knowledge. How do you do that? And both of those are important. To be a gracious person, to love people, to over, you know, overlook an offense, to forgive, and then to be filled with knowing who God is. That, that comes as we, we spend time in his word. And God speaks to us as we spend time with his word. Recently, I was with some friends that were really dealing with some hard things. They're leaders in ministry. They have people that are accusing them of things, coming against them, and just this weight of just attack. And that happens in the Christian life. We all have targets on us if you're a Christian. If you're a leader in a church, your target's a little bit bigger. If you're the top leader, your target's bigger than that. And the enemy just has an onslaught that's always coming. And I was reading My Quiet Time a couple weeks ago, and God spoke to me, and part of what he he shared was just, in a way, like a prayer for, for these people. The reason I share that is, like, as you have time with him, there's times that God will even give you, like, what to say to people when you don't know what to say. He shows us what to do when we don't know what to do. But oftentimes, like, we need his pr- perspective. And I just want to share just really briefly. Because I was thinking about them, and I was burdened for them, and I, like, I just... Just felt like within myself, I I didn't know how to help. And I read Psalm 37, verse 25. It says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. I was just thinking about the price that these people were paying and how the promise of God is he will take care of their children. And then verse 30 of Psalm 37 says, the mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. And I just thought about, like even when people are coming against you, if you're doing the will of God, God will not let you slip and fall and collapse. Like he will sustain you. This was God's word written thousands of years ago that he speaks in the present moment to me. And he'll do that to you. You just have to take the time to read it. You have to take the time to think about it, to chew on it. And so you can never get past time with him. Colossians 1 says this, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's actually very similar to what Peter says. So you can live a productive type of life. Paul is saying the same thing bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in what? The knowledge of God. And what does the knowledge of God do? It allows you to walk in a manner worthy of God. It changes the type of life that you live. You can't change the life you live unless you grow in the knowledge of God. And this, again, isn't just head knowledge like facts, like vocabulary words, like flashcards that you memorize for a test and you forget. It's the knowledge that actually, as you approach situations, it changes how you think about it, how you react to it, and what you do. And that takes time. But God meets us all where we're at. And as we take time to spend with him, we can change. And so this kind of character always grows with time with him. The second is it also grows, this kind of character, in the church community. Uh, God loves the church. In fact, Christ has said, like, laid his life down for the church. So part of his his death and his burial and his resurrection was not just for salvation for us, but it was so that this church could be built up and rooted in Christ himself. That this movement of the church could help people come to Christ. So this movement of the church could help people grow in Christ and keep doing the same. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. And he, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. He's describing the leaders of the church. And what's the goal for the leaders of the church? Verse 12, to equip the saints, that's the Christians, the people of the church for the work of ministry. Notice the work of ministry is not here focused on the leaders of the church. The work of ministry is focused on the members of the church. So sometimes in Christian circles, the the pastors or the elders or the leaders or the staff, it's like they do the ministry. Actually, their ministry is, is to help others do the ministry. A mentor of mine is, you know, their role is to like set the table. To set the table so the people of the church can sit down and have this banquet of ministry together. That's what the role of church leaders are. And then verse 13, until we attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So notice you have roles, and the point of these roles is to equip so that ministry can happen, so that the body of Christ is built up, so it's growth, that the church can function in a way that it should. But Then notice that it also leads to this unity of faith. And again, what? The knowledge of the Son of God. It helps us to grow. So it's more, the Christian life is more than just you and Jesus. You could spend time with him, but you also have to be doing part of what we're doing this morning, and that's being together in the church. In a place where we can serve together. And then verse 14 this is also the warning so that we may no longer be children. The idea is isolation actually keeps you immature. Isn't that the truth? When you're by yourself, your ideas are always great. Your decisions are sound. Your responses are good. But you're also immature because there's no way you can filter out yourself. And so we'll grow up. We don't have to be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. So this is what the church is supposed to do. We need people around us that love us and will speak the truth to us. Our culture just is a tension between both of those ways. Sometimes the culture just wants all love, but no truth. doesn't matter. We just love each other. We just need to love. All you need is right? But without truth, there's no basis for love, and love can't be experienced. And then the other side is just truth without love. It's just you can get hammered, and you have to think this way and do this way, or you don't belong. But the Christian life is different. Both are needed, and that's the goal of the church. We do this to each other. There's people that will actually love us enough to tell us the truth. We don't play games with each other. But they're also going to love us in the way that they tell us the truth. And so here at Ridgeview, we actually have a hard attitude. It's to give and receive scriptural correction. We believe that that's a part of truthing and love. And that scriptural correction, you use that word its like, wait, what? That can't be right. But the, part of that is, is we need people that will give us encouragement, like 95% encouragement. They're for us. They're with us. They want to help us. But then 5% correction or the truth. But you know what? You're making decisions that just have seen a pattern. And it's really harming your life. And they show us blind spots that we have. That's the thing about a blind spot. You don't know it's there. So The question is, do you have people in your life that love you enough to point out a blind spot? If you don't, you're in trouble. You're going to run into some things that you, you can't see. So speaking the truth in love, we either grow up in every way, and to him who is the head, and to Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So this is a great picture. This is just a reminder. You are not supposed to live your life alone. And not only that, when you are a part of the church, God uses you in a way that he cannot use anyone else. You're unique and you're special. And not in like, like, like I'm a special person. I can do whatever I want. No, you're special to build up and to help others you have such a vital role to play. I think we, we undersell the power of what God does in the church. It's the body of Christ. Each part, each person doing a specific role. And here at Ridgeview, you know how many times that I've seen the character of people grow as they plug in. You want character to grow? Begin to serve. Give up your time. Come early to help set something up. Stay late to tear it down. You want character to grow in you? Serve. That's what Paul's saying. When each part does its part, you grow. The body itself and you as well. Because you're making choices that go against our own flesh. That's the sacrifice for something bigger than ourselves. That's what helps character grow. You also want to grow? It's like get involved in a small group. Why? Why? Because you need to be able to talk to people when you're struggling. And you have a room like this, like, well, who do I talk to? Well, your small group becomes like this reference point. You have prayer requests, they can pray for you. And not only that, but they can share truth to you in love. It's a way that we give each other permission, like in a small group. That's true for the whole church, but a small group is where that that really is is lived out. So that's part of how God grows the character in the church. So time with him, the church community, and then finally... And I'm going to end with this. Uh, God grows character through pressure. I think we all know that. Uh, but this is also the thing on the list that we wish were not true. Like we want character and we want growth, but we don't want pain. But as we all know, it's oftentimes in the pressure and the pain that these things really do grow. In a way, they grow faster. Like that heat has a way of speeding up the character that God wants to grow. Romans 5, I'm just going to read this one. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. This is why you need to spend time with God. Because you read that and you're like, that's the worst verse I've ever read in my life. What do you do in your sufferings? You rejoice. I don't like that verse. Well, why? Well, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Guess what? That word endurance is the same word that Peter uses, steadfastness. So what grows steadfastness? Suffering. So you rejoice because the steadfastness that God wants to grow in you through the power of Christ comes in pressure. And it's a literal standing under hard things. So God grows steel into your bones. So you cannot be crushed. That's endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. Okay, well, I I can get behind that. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us us. The idea is God will grow things in this pressure, in the suffering, to the point where you could be glad because he will prove he is with you. And how will he prove he is with you? Because it's in those hard times when we need him. And then when he comes through, we can look back and say, that was a really hard time in my life. I was empty. I was discouraged. I felt alone. But through that pressure, Through that hard thing, I saw God was real. He came through for me. As I look back on my life, some of the key markers of my own spiritual development have been in difficult times. And I think you know that's true for you as well. And so if you're feeling just overwhelmed and discouraged, or there's things on your plate, the world often just says, well, just get, you know, take a break, do what you want to do. Focus on you. Do whatever you need to do to feel better. Well, the Christian actually says, God, do what you will do in this season. And so if you're feeling that right now, I just want to encourage you, part of what God wants to do is to build character into your life right now. He wants to help you trust in him more. He wants to prove that while the weight is heavy and it feels like your bones and your knees are going to buckle, he will support you and help you. and He'll use the church to be a part of that. That's the promise. That's the character. So as I close out, I just want to close out with some, some questions as the band comes up. This is kind of like some personal inventory. I've already had you identify uh, a characteristic, but these are some questions. For me, myself, like I'm always asking myself questions because that's what helps me think. And so you may want to ask your you know, questions too when you you read the word of God, like, well, what does this mean for me? What does that mean I need to do differently? Think differently? Feel differently? Heart, you know, the feel, the, the head, the think, the thought, and then the, the hands, like, what, what do I need to do? So the first question is this uh, Where are you experiencing pressure in your life? What character may God be trying to build into you through it? And so go back to the passage in Second Peter. There's a list of those characteristics. Are there some pressures that you're facing? And is there some certain character that you could see that he's wanting you to grow in? And the second question is also as important. What could prevent you from learning that? Is that possible that you may not learn what God wants you to learn? Yeah. You know what that means? You have to relearn it and God will bring another thing. It's just the way it is. It's like you, God is so loving and faithful to us, that he wants us to learn, he'll, he'll just bring something else for us to learn it again and learn it again. He does not give up on us. We're his children. And so you may want to ask that. And then the second question, well, sorry, the third, is what opportunities are around you right now that God may want you to be a part of that he could use to grow you? Are there some decisions that you could make that would help you? and growing the kind of character that God wants to grow. It could be related to time with him. It could be related to being plugged into the church community. It could be related to even pressure that you're facing. So just take a moment. Like as we transition and we're going to sing a song, we're going to receive our offering just shortly, but just take a moment to to think of these questions. And let me pray that that as we, we leave here, you know, God will allow these things to grow in us so that we can be effective, productive people. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word, which challenges us and speaks to us so clearly. And I know for my own life, I feel like sometimes I just I have to clear out my mind and my ears, my thoughts, and just my feelings to, to even hear from you. But, but we know that when we look into your word, you speak, and you speak to us. And so I ask, God, that you'll speak to us right now. Just with people here that are just feeling overwhelmed and maybe that they're running in a circle, that your word and your Holy Spirit will just call them forward to take the steps that you want them to take. God, we we do want to change into the people that you want us to be. Uh, We want to live in your power and not in our own shame, not in our own effort. So God, help us see the things that are going on in our lives right now and how you want to weave those things into growing us. It's not separate, it's not detached, but you meet us right where we are. So we, we stand on that promise and we ask that You'll help us to just realize that more and more. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.